lots and lots of spoilers. And now, at Max Mike Movies, in our series, Leave Him Wanting More, we bring you Batman. Hello out there, all you happy Gotham people. You know what? I am vengeance. <laughs> I am the knight. I am Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but doing that Christian Bale growl is really hard on my throat, and let's face it, it has been done to death. That's so sad. <laughs> Yes, this week we're discussing a major entry into the rapidly growing genre of the comic book movie, The Dark Knight, the second in Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, following Batman Begins and preceding Batman finishes up and puts the chairs up on the tables, because come on, isn't this enough already? <laughs> I'm your host, Max Levine, or as I'm otherwise known, the Crimson Wallaby. <laughs> and there... Lurking in the shadows lurk. is every move a symphony of menace lurk, is lurk. your other host and my arch nemesis, Baron Mud Puppy, a.k.a. <laughs> Mike Luce. <laughs> Mud how you Puppy? Doing, how you doing, Baron Mud Puppy? Uh, fine, how are you, Crimson Wallaby? <laughs> I mean, I, grr, take I'm you down. With, I am filled with justice. <laughs> but, but before we get to the trivia on this movie, I understand you had something you wanted to say. I did. I have two things. And like that to was say. it. So uh, on the trivia. <laughs> no. All right. Yes. So hey, Max and I were thinking, and yes, it was painful, and no, it doesn't happen very often. It's all but hot Max and, and I, it hurts. Max and I were thinking about a possible uh, thing we might do because you know social media has expanded, changed, etc. And we are going to need your help because we want to see a if this is something you'd be interested in, and b what kind of format it would take. Yeah. So apparently, some of these uh, these shows, these these podcast things, occasionally do live shows, live broadcasts. Um, and we were wondering. Uh, we found out through through this. Uh, it's not called Bandcamp. What the hell is it called? Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse. That it is possible to have basically a call-in show. So, if you think this is a cool idea, being one of our listeners, hey, let us know through one of the ways that you probably know, but we'll go over at the end of the show. Uh, um, please keep in mind that at the moment, Clubhouse only works on uh, Apple devices, basically iOS or uh, iPad OS. At the moment. It will eventually, supposedly, move over and uh, expand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but just, also... We would obviously choose to do this probably in a weekend when most people are free. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know the logistics of this, whether we could record it or not. If we can, we will and then post it. But if not, you know, it'll be a one-time thing for those who can show up. And hey, what would you want us to do? What kind of show would you want it to be? Would you want it to be about a single movie? Would mm -hmm. you like to just be open forum? Like, hey, I want to talk about my favorite films. Let us know. We, there's comments. There's email. Uh, you can text us if you have to. Do by <laughs> us, I mean me, because no one ever texts Max, they just text me. But uh, yeah, it's an idea we're trying to punt around, see how it goes. And uh, if it sounds cool to you and you're interested, hey, let us know. And yeah. if we don't hear anything, we'll still do it. It'll just be me and Max talking to each other like normal, as it always is. Yep, yeah. The other thing, this is a message to our listeners we would like to. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we are not brought to you by Sanka. Sanka, we're still here. We're still hot. We're still brown. You're still fired. <laughs> God. 
Hey, could be. They worse. can be long for the days of uh, total warfare and terrorist I, whatever three. I think you mean rogue Werf I can't even say it. Rogue <laughs> warfare War, three. Rogue werewolf three. Yes. Meanwhile, back at Zangief's ass. Yeah. Hey, I understand there is trivia. There is trivia. The show. The Dark Knight. First off, it's the only bat of that uh, the three Batman movies that does not actually have the name Batman in the title. Batman. Batman. Now, the budget was $185 million, mm. and its cumulative worldwide gross was over a billion dollars. That's uh. billion with a B. It made more in the first six days of, of its showing than Batman Begins did in its entire domestic run. There's a bee. Sorry, that one's uh, that's a deeper. <laughs> uh, this was filmed partly, at least, in Chicago, which is for those of us who are hardcore comic book nerds. We all know that Chicago is basically the DC analog of Gotham City, just as Metropolis is New York City. Just weird because Gotham it was a nickname for New York City. Well, the best part is we find out later that, of course, uh, Gotham City and uh, Metropolis are right across the river from... Yes, as we know from <sighs> Batman v. Superman in Superior Court. I think it was Batman versus Superman versus the audience, but that's, yes. you know... Yeah, I'm pretty sure the audience lost. Yeah. Uh, while filming a chase scene on Lake Street, the Chicago PD got a whole bunch of calls from concerned citizens saying the police were involved in a vehicle pursuit with a weird-looking dark vehicle of unknown maker model. <laughs> Uh, while filming the chase, that chase scene with the Joker and the SWAT vans, one of only four IMAX cameras in the world at the time was destroyed. Oops. Yeah, part of that movie was actually filmed in IMAX with one of only four existing cameras, and they busted it. And to that, I have to say... Then... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a lot of marketing on this movie, and some of the PR stunts were um, a bit troubling. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, during one public relations campaign, a website related to the movie sent out several cakes, supposedly from the Joker, containing a cell phone inside, which made the cake vibrate and had wires sticking out, making the cake look like a bomb. One news station got one of the cakes, thought it was a real terrorist act, and the whole building was evacuated. <laughs> now, this was 2008. This was not that, you know, it's seven years after 9-11. So. I bet the person who opened the box was evacuated, too, if you know what I mean. What does he mean? <laughs> it's disgusting. I'll tell you later. <laughs> there was some really weird interactive marketing campaigns launched, too. One of them was at the 2007 San Diego Comic-Con. It, the event was called Why So Serious, where fans had to follow clues hidden around the city. A whole bunch of, like, Joker-painted fans ended up congregating in the street across from the convention center, where all of a sudden a black Escalade pulled up, uh, welcomed one of the fans to climb in. After a minute, as the door was closing, the fans started screaming, and the SUV sped away. Later that day, a so-called Gotham City newspaper was circulated reporting that a man believed to be the Joker was found beaten to death. Included were crime scene photos of the fan who had gotten into the Escalade, and eventually he was found with a playing card in his hand on which was scribbled, See you in December. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, real friggin' tasteful. And I thought the movie was dark. <laughs> uh, in Batman Begins, by the way, and I believe in this one also, we see the Lamborghini mm. uh, that Bruce Wayne drives. That is, they call it, or it's written on it, the Lamborghini Murcielago. Murcielago. Murcielago, which is, by the way, the Spanish word for bat. <laughs> ah, yeah. there you go. So I, I'll take a step back to your last one. Uh, should we, in fact, call that darketing? <laughs> Uh, no, we should in no sir under no circumstances call it that. Uh, Bumpy, I'm gonna need a ride real quick. You really are. Uh, Christian Bale got to keep the Batman mask from the movie after the filming. He wanted the whole uniform, but he didn't have enough room for it. In what? I don't know. His car. Oh, it's a. He uh, also said he didn't put uh, Christian Bale didn't bulk up quite as much as he did for the first movie because the suit fit differently. It was uh, designed to be lighter and quicker, so he didn't have to be quite as huge. Mm. Uh, we do, of course, have to talk about poor Heath Ledger. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we many, will. many said made the movie. He, of course, died shortly after the filming. And by the way, he died after it was all done. You know, he post-looping everything. In preparation for his role, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel room for about six weeks. During the extended seclusion, he delved into the psychology of the character. He was like working on every facial tick, every vocal tick, the sadistic sounding laugh. He was really trying to create a tone that had nothing to do with Jack Nicholson in the 89 performance as the Joker. Ledger's interpretation of the Joker's appearance was kind of based on the chaotic, disheveled look of uh, punk rocker Sid Vicious, the mannerisms of Malcolm McDowell's character, Alex DeLarge from Clockwork Orange. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he Ledger posthumously won 32 Best Actor in a Supporting Role awards for his work, including the Big Five, Oscar, Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, and Critics' Choice. Cripes. Yeah. Uh, Sir Michael Caine, in his opinion, he thought Heath Ledger beat the odds and topped Jack Nicholson's Joker from Batman 89. Uh, and he... And, uh, I quote, to quote Michael Caine in my terrible Michael Caine voice, Jack was like a clown figure. Benign but wicked. Maybe a killer old uncle. He could be funny and make you laugh. Heath's gone in a completely different direction to Jack. He's like a really scary psychopath. He's a lovely guy and his Joker is going to be a hell of a revelation in this picture. And he bases his belief on how good... Uh, uh, Ledger was on, a, on the scene where the Joker visits Bruce Wayne's penthouse and crashes the party. This is the first time that Michael Caine met Heath Ledger. He had, they hadn't met on the set until that scene. And when Ledger arrived and went into his, his performance, Caine got so scared he forgot his lines. <laughs> wow. Yeah. For somebody who's delivered a hell of a lot of lines, that's... Wow, okay. That, yeah, think about that. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff about the, the terrifying stunts. Uh, the, the bus, in the beginning, the bus crashing backwards into the bank in the opening sequence, that was a lot harder to pull off than they thought it would be. The bus had to be taken apart and reassembled inside the building, concealed behind a false wall, and then propelled backwards with an air cannon. <laughs> the building, by the way, was a disused post office. <laughs> there is a ton of other stuff, a lot of it about Heath Ledger, I do want to say, just at the outset, to get this out of the way, he did die of a toxic drug reaction. No one has, ever, no one, including his family, his friends, ever believed it was intentional. They really think it was accidental. 
He oh, was yeah. in a good place mentally. He was really excited about the movie. It is a real sadness and a real tragedy that he died so young because the man was remarkably talented. Yeah. So that's it but for trivia? That's pretty, pretty much it for trivia. Tell it's me like the a, story, Daddy. It's the plot. It's been a year since Batman began, and criminals now live in terror of the Batman. <laughs> but a new threat arises in the form of a madman with clown makeup and a serious and seriously unwashed hair, the Joker. His brand of brilliant madness is like nothing Batman has ever faced. Attempting to aid him is Jim Gordon, now police commissioner, well, halfway through the movie, and crusading district attorney Harvey Dent, whose nickname and fondness for two-headed coins make his fate a foregone conclusion to anyone who knows the Batman mythos. He becomes King Tut. Yes. <laughs> As the Joker turns the city against the Batman, the caped crusader must ask himself, how far will he go to protect the city, and what is he willing to sacrifice? Down. In answer to that last question, I think the uh, the thing he was willing to sacrifice was, in fact, cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He gave up cheeseburgers. Yeah. And he could do it. You know why he could do it? Because he's Batman. <laughs> you know, that was going to happen at least once. It's probably going to happen several more times. Probably. But, hey, yeah. I'm the little brother in this show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, where to start? Uh, well, I, mean, I do have to say... That clearly, the critics were entirely wrong. The truly definitive Joker was, of course, Cesar Romero, and his <laughs> and his mustache. <laughs> I, you know that that statement by Michael Caine. Um, I think he's really outdone Jack Nicholson. Uh, not really all that hard to do. Hey, Jack did a decent job as the Joker. I thought it was a, it was a very interesting take, and it was a very different take than had been seen before for that movie. Um, yeah. For those who haven't seen, because there are people who, because the '89 was now quite a ways ago, yeah. well, thirty-one Each. years, ago, thirty-two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working at a comic book store at the time, and when we started seeing stuff about this new bat, the first thing we heard, unfortunately, and I still believe this was not the best choice in the world, was that Michael Keaton was going to be playing Batman and Bruce Wayne, and I'm sorry, he just doesn't have the In- interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. I like him as an actor. I loved him as the Vulture. He was great in the oh, Spider-Man yeah. movie. He was great. But I just, he's not Batman. And i and he proved it twice as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But we started seeing things and hearing things. The manager of the comic store I was working at at the time was the man who would end up writing the novelization. So he actually got to go to England and see the sets and walk down Gotham City, uh, the, the three blocks that existed. Mm-hmm. And we were all really excited because we're like, they're finally taking Batman seriously. It's not going to be like the 60s. We're away from the 60s. And at the time... We loved that film. Looking back, it's like, it's not that far from the 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they make kind of a comment on that in this when uh, Bat, when uh, Bruce Wayne is talking to Lucius Fox and asking for a new redesign on the suit. He, said, he says, I'd like to be able to turn my head. Because <laughs> yeah. that was a problem with the 89 Batman suit. If you looked carefully at the cowl, it was a solid piece of rubber, and he had to turn his entire torso to look anywhere. Yeah. I like that he said that it'll make backing up a lot easier. Which yeah. is funny, because there is no way you can look behind you in the Batman. I'm sorry, the Tumblr, I think is what its yeah. actual name yeah. is. You, there's no window. There's nothing. Uh, fun thing about that, I actually watched a little um, Jay Leno's Garage recently. Uh, that car moved entirely under its own power. That thing was a beast. 
It is totally drivable. It is not in any way street legal. Um, (laughs) I forget how many hundred horsepower it has. And they were like, we have to build this thing so it works. And it does. And it is a a monster to drive. Um, It's hell to get into. It's hell to get. You have to claw on through the top. Um, Speaking of vehicles or movement things that actually work, the skyhook technique where basically mm -hmm. Batman is scooped up by a plane, that's real. Well, we saw that, that in a called, Bond film. Yes, it was, back in 65. It was a real thing the CIA used. It was called the Fulton Surface-to-Air Recovery System. They used to use it. And uh, apparently it is traumatic in terms of the impact, but less so than having a parachute open, at least according to like the two or three people who talked about actually being in it. Yeah. So yeah, that is real. That is the, the actual thing being scooped up by a damn aeroplane. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot probably to talk about in this film i think because you brought it up and of course it's going to be that thing i would like to talk about the performances yeah um christian bale does fine in this yeah Um, he does i think he does a really good job i think he balances nicely with the 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 bruce wayne persona of the you know utterly disconnected playboy well but you also get the idea that he is playing a part within a part right because you can tell when he's bruce wayne and he's out and about yeah that it's you know that it's fake like it's it feels like somebody playing a part which is cool and the people that are closest to him are like you can see rachel everyone so just sort of roll her eyes is like why is he doing this yeah and it's like because i have to look like uh, tony stark that's why (laughs) um and as batman you know he he they they thankfully keep his lines very short they don't have quips (laughs) yeah um Yep, he doesn't call anybody old chum. No, (laughs) yeah. Uh, And, you know, he does a a good job. Michael Caine, I mean, even when Michael Caine's in a terrible film, Michael Caine is fine. And I think it must be nice for him because he actually gets to use his real accent. (laughs) I think he, I thought he made a great Alfred because you, Michael Caine is so physically imposing, even in his later years, you absolutely believe that Alfred was a soldier. Yeah. Um, the other part, one of the other people I want to point out, and I, I will point him out in any film I've seen him in, Gary Oldman is amazing. Uh. And you might say, well, well, he's just Commissioner Gordon. He's like, what's the big deal? If you've seen Gary Oldman in any other film, you'll realize this is not like any other character. There's this wonderful combination of fear and hope in Jim Gordon. And I actually rewatched the first film, or, well, I, I watched most of it, because um, I didn't remember Batman Begins. I actually didn't even remember the title. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> um, and it's like, oh yeah, that's the first one. And I'm watching, and Jim Gordon in the first film is this guy who's like, really at the end of his rope. He's like, he's a cop, and and to be honest, Gotham City in that film looks a lot worse than it does in this film. <laughs> like the whole Narrows is not uh, amazingly missing in this film. Like that whole island is just not even there. They don't even pretend it's there. But he's just like this close to having no hope. But he's still like, you can see that there's a good man in there. And he's he's trying desperately to hold on to something. And in this film, you see him start off with still like, I'm still working. But he has more hope. But he's also still this good guy. But then you see the fear again when his family's taken. And it's just, it's just not the roles he's played in other films. And you really buy Jim Gordon. I, it's, a I surpri- would... it's a surprisingly understated role. Yeah. He does it very well. I also have to say... Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal does a terrific job as Rachel. Yeah, she's not given a lot to do. She doesn't get a lot to do, but even the little bits she does, 
I'm, I'm sorry, Katie Holmes. Just, you know, Katie Holmes was in the first movie the same character and completely forgettable. I had, did not bring any sense of character or personality. But. I watched the movies back to back, night to night, and I didn't realize they were different actors. Oh, dear. Wow. <laughs> Ms. Hall, I would like to apologize on behalf of my boneheaded co-host. No, no, what I'm saying is actually for, for uh, Katie Holmes, I didn't, I was like, I watched Rachel in this film, and in the previous film, I just sort of ignored her. Um, so I was like, oh, they just didn't give her anything to do. In this case, they gave her some to do. And mm. the thing I like about her is she's very competent. Uh, the only time when she's a, quote, damsel in distress, her boyfriend is equally a damsel in distress and becomes <laughs> two-faced. Um... It, and I, I like the fact that there is some strength in her, and also that she finally makes a decision. And she's like, "Ah, Bruce, I can't do it. I'm sorry, yeah. you're cuckoo for cocoa puffs, and um, Harvey isn't yet." So, yeah. and she brings up a nice point. She says, "I told you, you know, if, if the day you that the city didn't need Batman anymore, that we could be together. But I'm realizing the city might not need Batman, but you'll never not need Batman. You will always right. need him." So. And, uh, other cast, Morgan Freeman is great as Lucius Fox. Well, not it's Morgan Freeman. So again, oh. you're not going to get a bad performance. But <laughs> yeah. Lucius Fox is a great character. I and really he's only like him. A, I think he's only a great character here. Yeah. He showed up, I believe, he was one of the characters created for Batman the Animated Series. I'm not positive of that. I think okay. so. And he's not that interesting. I like it because he is the last moral compass for Batman because they create this device which magic, uh, but it can scan the entire city using everyone's cell phones. Yeah, and yeah. he's just like, no, I don't want to be a part of this. Uh, here's my resignation. I'm leaving. And Batman's like, tell me another way we find the Joker. And he's like, okay, I'll do this once. And you can see even when he says that, he's like, I'm damning myself for doing this. Yeah. And thankfully, they do end up destroying the ability to do that later on. But I like the fact that he is just in charge. I love it when that subordinate comes up and it's like, hey, I found out who Batman is and I want $10 million a year. And he just like slowly <laughs> takes his glasses off. Oh, and he's his like, response is great. So you find out who Batman is and you decide the best thing to do is to try and blackmail him. Yeah, he says, you, you just figured out that your boss... One of the richest and most powerful men in the world is a vigilante who routinely goes out every night and beats people to a pulp with his bare hands, and your response is to blackmail him. <laughs> I love what he, what he puts it. Good luck with that. <laughs> and uh, as uh, he's, sorry, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> and as he's saying it, the guy you can just see the guy's face going, I did not think this through. You know what I saw is when they turned back to the guy, I saw the guy peeing his pants. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Did you catch, and I only know this from the trivia, I didn't, because the character is not that important. No. Did you catch what his name is? It's weird, and I can't remember it's, what it was. It, it doesn't matter what his first name is. They keep referring to him as Mr. Reese. Mr. Reese. Oh, it's not supposed to be Edward it's Nigma, a, is it? No, it's sort of a nod to Edward Nigma, Enigma, oh. the the Riddler. But I, mm. I thought that was unnecessary, and I'm glad I never noticed it before. I didn't either, and whatever. <laughs> um, so let's get to the big, big elephant in the room, yeah. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. I first came across him in a in one of those dreadful. We have to have a Xena or Hercules based show called Roar. Oh yeah, and it was very short lived. 
Um, it was a fantasy-based thing. I don't remember much about it. I saw a few episodes, and I distinctly remember going, who's that guy? Because that guy, I don't know who he is, but he's interesting. And, of course, it was the lead, and he was played by Heath Ledger. And uh, to be fair, he also, didn't he do Knight's Tale? Knight's Tale was the first thing I saw him in. And that movie, while utterly goofy, is so much fun. Yeah, and I has didn't... such an amazing cast. Also, he's in it. Paul Bettany is in it as Jeffrey Chaucer. Alan yeah. Tudyk is in it. Shannon <laughs> Sossinen. Oh, it's terrific. It, well, it's a lot of fun. It is not deep. It does. If you look at it with any critical eye, it falls apart completely. Oh, we should do that. <laughs> his historian, people who, who know his, anything about the medieval uh, uh, France or England, pretty much will have a hemorrhage. Isn't there a lot of rock music in it? Too? There, I mean, at the first tournament, the crowd is cha- is singing "We Will Rock You." Ah, uh, yes, very popular. Yes, there's a lot trend. of pop music in it, and but the thing is, it works. But anyway, he was great in that he was incredibly likable and charming. But I gotta say, this performance was a revelation. That I remember going into it thinking, okay, I thought Jack Nicholson did a terrific job. I'm, and honestly, I'm I was mad because couldn't you have gotten Mark Hamill? Because Mark <laughs> ha- Mark Hamill did the voice of the Joker in Batman the Animated Series, and he redefined the character. And he just made it amazing. You know what this movie needs? For <laughs> me! Just with that incredible balance of growling menace and clown goofiness. And uh, Heath Ledger blew them all away. Yeah, he- it is a troubling performance for a number this, of reasons. This now, you the- and I did see him before this. Max and I went to see Brokeback Mountain. No, he's not. Yes, I am. It's fine. (laughs) Um, And the interesting thing about that film, we saw it in the middle of winter at a local uh, art house theater. And sadly, about 20 minutes before the movie ended, the theater was like, hey, we've got an alert. We have to uh, evacuate the theater. Hopefully it'll just be a few minutes, but we'll see. And we went out, and I think it was like 12. It was really yeah, cold Yeah, it was out. friggin' cold. And Max and I were standing out there and waiting. We're like, how long do we wait? I don't know. And it's like, it's 20 minutes before the end of the film, or like half hour, something like that. Yeah. And they were saying, hey, um, it's getting to be a little bit longer. If anybody would likes, we'll give you a pass. You can come back. I gotta say, nobody in our theater nope. took the a whole, pass. The whole theater, we all just said, no, we're, we'll wait. Because we had to see how it ended. And it was that, that performance... Yeah. Talk was... about understated, because it's him and Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jake Gyllenhaal does a fine job, don't get me wrong, but the two characters, for those who don't know, it's two guys who are supposedly straight, they're out in the middle of nowhere watching this flock of sheep, I think it is, and they eventually realize that they are really attracted to each other, and you know, one thing leads to another, and they do what cowboys sometimes did, <laughs> uh, and often didn't. And what would happen is that they would meet like once a year because they actually they got married, they each had kids, whatever, but they would meet once a year because they loved each other and they knew they couldn't be together. And eventually what happens is, and we're never sure what the actual demise of the Jake Gyllenhaal character is, but the Jake Gyllenhaal character dies. And there is this scene where, I think his name's Emmett, um, Heath Ledger's character comes in and I think it's his. It's either his wife or his daughter. I can't remember. Is le- is still in the house, and he manages to go up to the closet, and there's one shirt left that the Jake Gyllenhaal character wore, and he takes it and he just smells it once, and he can't even bring himself to cry. 
He is that emotionally broken. And there's like no dialogue in that scene. And I will always remember just the look on his face of somebody who has utterly closed off his emotions for the rest of his life, however long that's going to be. And you place that performance, especially next to this one. And it's like, dear gods, that's a range. You know, what are we going to see next? And yeah. it was like River Phoenix, the same thing. River Phoenix, I adored him in Stand By Me. I, I really liked him in My Own Private Idaho and then The Viper Club, and that was the end of that. But. Yeah, he does, and in this, he does an amazing job. He brings this. It's one of the only times I ever found the Joker actually scary. It is also one of the only times I ever found the Joker not funny, which. And I had a question. One of my questions was, this is a great performance. It is a, a really interesting take. Does this Joker actually work? I think, yeah. I think it works. For, I think he works better than a lot of the others have. I mean, as opposed, the whole idea as opposed to just, oh, I'm, you know, oh, look at this. My skin's been bleached white. My hair's green. So I'm going to become evil. I like the fact we don't know what his origin is. You don't need to know where the Joker came from. I loved the whole, did I ever tell you how I got these scars? And yeah. the story changes every time. And they're all because, horrible. Because it doesn't matter. Apart from the scars, we get the feeling he's just wearing, he, well, we know he's just wearing makeup and hair dye. Yeah. He's not, you know, he didn't fall in a vat of acid or what <laughs> have you. <laughs> he wasn't the Red Hood, which came no. later for reasons we don't, whatever, yeah. It's like he is the Joker, and that's all he is. He's nothing else. It's like nothing came before him. This is He came into the world as the Joker, and I think that really works. And as he points out, he doesn't do this for money. He's an agent of chaos. Alfred is the one who gets him. Mm -hmm. And he says, there are some men who just like to watch the world burn. Yeah. I I mean in the end I was I was almost surprised that he doesn't actually die. Um but I'm not sure what you would do with him after this, which, you know, I, for whatever reason, I don't know if they were even planning to before poor Heath Ledger died. And I I heard the same thing. I heard that it wasn't anything on purpose, but that he was taking medications because he was in a really weird mental place. And what happened was the cocktail got mixed up mm. and it was accidental for sure. But that some of the medication he was taking was the, and I don't know if it was this role or just in general, he was having a hard time, but he certainly doesn't sound like he was doing himself any favors. I'm going to go live by myself for six weeks and not mm. talk to people and, and try to come up with all these hard. Ooh, okay. I mean, it worked, but dear gods, what a price to pay. Um, the reason I ask about if the Joker does, does the Joker work? Is because I want to say, and I, I, I'm not a fan of the third film so much, but this is about as dark as Batman ever gets. And uh, hopefully ever on will On film, get. yes. I, in, name me a place he's darker. Uh, Arkham Knights, uh, Court of Cause Owls. Because he's, he's throwing dogs, he's torturing people. I mean, the only thing he doesn't actually do is shoot anybody. And usually one of the big deals is that we're looking at a contrast between Batman and the people he's going after. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Batman, for those who haven't read the original comics, at one point had a gun. Actually, I think he had and two did, of them. And he did kill people in the original. Yeah. 
He absolutely yeah. did, intentionally. It wasn't like, oh no, you accidentally fell into this acid after I stamped on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, Batman was a very, started out as a very dark and very violent character back in the, what was it, 20s? No, late thir- 1930s. Late 30s, okay. Yep. Um, and uh, for what, and, and I want to get this out of the way too. The credit where it says Batman created by Bob Kane. No, yeah, for one Bill thing, Fing- Bill Finger, thank you, and Jerry Robinson, and amongst others. And to be fair, there's a lot of things that he was, um, shall we say, inspired by, um, and inspired by his being kind. Yeah, the Joker um, in particular was inspired by an old silent film called The Man Who Laughs. Yep, and it was uh, I'm trying. It was an actor. We talked about this because he ended up being in Casablanca. Um, which is funny, but, um, and if you see pictures again, if you want to go take pictures, look at pictures of the man who laughs, it's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. the Joker. <laughs> yeah. And it, um, it was 20 years before the Joker ever showed up. I, you see Batman and he's very, very dark. And one of the things that I actually have as a, 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 a complaints, a heavy word, but as a critic critique of the film is He's not really much of a detective either, and he's supposed to be. Now, he uses some tools to kind of find him, but one of the big things is it's almost, I swear there's moments where Alfred's almost like, <clears throat> would you like me to tell you how you should be thinking of how this guy works? Because it's like Batman doesn't, he's hes always playing catch-up. He never You never see him really trying to plan ahead. And the Joker, quite honestly, uh, I don't know how he gets everything done that he gets done, because it's kind of a lot um all of the barrels all of the bombs all of the phone numbers all of the this all of the that in this short period of time is is kind of a lot and at one point i'm like when does he how how does he have time to talk to anybody like how does he do other things because all this stuff it's just it's like there's just seemed to be a little too much like oh those i know they're all going to take these ferry boats so i'll just happen to put all these bombs on these ferry boats and it even comes to even contradicts himself a little bit when he's talking to harvey dent in the hospital and he says do i look like the kind of guy with a plan yeah and it's like he has to clearly he does he's planned he plans things out very well i think the idea is he is an expert tactician but he has no strategy He's really good at planning out individual situations, but he has no overall plan. He just likes he just likes to blow things up. He yeah. just likes to see chaos and death and fear. And uh, since we brought him in, let's bring in old Harvey, shall we? And that's for Aaron Eckhart, who I think does a really great job as Harvey Dent. Yes. Once he beca- he becomes two faced awfully fast. Yes. This is a problem, by the way, with a lot of superhero movies. Yes. Now, for some reason, no one thinks you can have just one villain. This started in Batman Begins. We got both the Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul, both of whom are major villains. Right. In this, we get the Scarecrow again, Yeah. which I didn't entirely object to because I think Cillian Murphy does a great job. Yes. He's so, so... creepy and oily and just of course i never really thought of the scarecrow as seeming i don't know moist but (laughs) that's how he comes across (laughs) well in the first film because in this film he's barely there and i think it's literally the director was like chris nolan was like oh right we didn't arrest him last film did we uh yeah about that (laughs) yeah he also has a cameo in the third movie so he's i think the only villain who makes it through all three movies yeah but uh, uh, yeah, and then in the third movie, you get Bane, you get Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't even 
There's a reference to cats in this film. It's like, yeah, yeah. we know where you're going. Yes, yeah. It's so, <laughs> but again, I thought he did a nice job. I thought Aaron Eckhart's performance was really good. It just, it came on a little fast. Although I do have to say, the conversion scene where the Joker meets him in the hospital and is basically talking him into becoming a supervillain, is basically talking him to becoming an agent of chaos, he is really friggin' persuasive. And you can, I absolutely can buy that Dent, in his state of mind, would turn that way, would listen to that, and want to become an agent of destruction. So, my feeling, and I felt this way when I saw the film when it came out, this was an opening night thing, I'm sure, and I feel this way now, is that Harvey Dent slash Two-Face is one element too many. And I don't mean Harvey Dent, because I actually really like the contrast of Harvey Dent and honestly the hopefulness of Bruce Wayne that, hey, here's someone who can do my job. I won't have to do it. Mm. I'm going to back this guy. This, Oh, thank you. This is great. And Harvey is a Boy Scout, but you believe him. He's not like, oh, gosh, we should take care of those nasty yeah, He's he- He's a Boy Scout, but you can also see he's ambitious. And, yeah, maybe he plays a little fast and loose here. And, you know, they even talk up That's where his name came from, is the when he worked for Internal Affairs. They used to call him Harvey Two-Face. Right. Because the cops didn't trust him. Yeah, he is a good guy. He is he's a white knight as opposed to the dark knight. Yeah. But he's also a believable human being. I mean... Hell, he cheats at everything because he has it with that, you know, hey, heads we do this, tails we do that, and he has a two-headed right. coin. Or then he just tosses it again until he gets what he wants. Yeah. The problem is, is that we, the the two-face, for one thing, when Rachel dies, uh, spoiler, because well, I don't know how you haven't seen this and you're listening to our show, but whatever. Um there's still an hour. There was 55 minutes to go in that movie. And it is not a short film. Yeah, it's just two like, and a half hours. Yeah, just like the first one. Um, I the one thing I cannot understand that makes absolutely no sense to me is I we see him turn into a supervillain and now he's going to get revenge on everyone he thinks quote unquote killed his family except one person he doesn't shoot the Joker he has got an opportunity the Joker has put a gun in his hand and Harvey who we've seen before he gets turned into Two-Face punches a guy in court who tries to shoot him doesn't shoot the Joker, and I watch that. I'm like, I don't buy it. It's like I, I can't see him. I, I can't did. see him I going. Abs- I'm on your side now. I don't know. I don't buy it. No, because Hart. He also understand that was the, what was so clever about what the Joker did. He said, "You don't understand. I've just even he he says what the others did. I'm a, he's like a mad dog. You want the guys who are holding the leash. Doesn't and that's happen. why he that's why he goes after the crime bosses. He goes after Marconi." I don't know what Eric Roberts was doing in this, but okay. Although Eric Roberts is very good at playing a creepy mobster. Yeah. But I just I you can say that, but he was gonna go he was willing to kill Jim Gordon's kid and he wasn't willing to kill the Joker. But, well, as he says, he gives the Joker a chance. We don't see it, but he flips the coin and we have to assume it came up uh, clear. I I I do believe if it had come up dark side he would have shot the Joker. Oh, Dark Side's another film. We're not going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get my boom tube ready. <laughs> How quick, Freddy? Goodness, let's go. Yeah. Do you have your mother box? Yeah, it's from somebody who never really read DC comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I the the Harvey Dent Two Face thing. I 
the rest of the movie, which admittedly is really, really dark. And I don't mean like, oh, it's at night. Because <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, mostly. it's like that all, the, you can't trust anybody. Uh, you know, although it's, there is some optimism there. That I want to talk about the uh, the two f- the ferries, the two boats, and and that one criminal, the one that that the big black guy criminal who's like, I'm going to do what you should have done an no, hour ago. No, I want to know more about that guy. He's yeah. got like two lines. He gets two lines. Like, that was Tom Tiny Lister, who has been in everything. You also know him as the president from Fifth Element. Okay, <laughs> he he plays big. He, he is a big, enormous, scary guy who plays big. Who played? Excuse me. He he died recently. Uh. Big, enormous, scary guys. Yeah, it that whole thing where there are two two fairies. The Joker sabotages them. He puts enormous amounts of explosives, which no one seems to understand how to unplug on these boats. One boat is full of criminals being transported from prison. Another boat's just full of random civilians evacuating the city. They're each given a detonator. Said, "Hi, you have the detonator to the bomb on the other boat. If one of you doesn't blow the other one up by midnight, I'll blow up both boats." And he is expecting them to blow each other up, because in his worldview, everyone, as basically as Batman says, "What did you want to prove that everyone is as sick as you are?" And they won't do it. Even though you're absolutely sure they will, there's this one jerk on the civilian boat who's going, well, they made their choice, and he takes a detonator, and he can't do it. Yeah. But I think the, you're right. The moment on the other boat is so much more powerful when this huge, menacing convict gets up, walks over to the captain who's got the detonator, and says, give it to me, and I'll do what you should have done ten minutes ago. You can tell them I took it from you. Yeah. If you don't, they're all going to... And the captain gives it to him, and he walks over, and he chucks it out the window. Yep. And I think the other cool thing is all of the other convicts around him they're just all, accept it. They're, they're just like, nodding, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's... And, and again, I, I want to know more about that character, sadly. We, we never yeah. will. But it's yeah. amazing when sometimes when a few lines and a performance can be that amazing, and it was. Um, I think what the Joker was expecting is he was fully expecting the one boat to blow up the criminal's boat. Like, that's what he was either expecting and or hoping for. It's like, see, there's no goodness in the city. But that's a pretty sliver, like, ray of sunshine. in this otherwise really, really... And this is a a theme with DC. Uh, Back in the 80s, for people who don't know... Batman had been around forever with the and his Bat Cave had the giant penny and the Tyrannosaurus Rex and other yep. goofy stuff. Um, I mean, he, he wasn't jewel kryptonite goofy, but he was goofy. <laughs> um, and our, this guy came around. This 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 originally he was working for Marvel, did a series called Daredevil. This guy came around named Frank Miller, and he says, "No, I want Batman to to grow up. I want to do Batman for the adults who are reading these comics." And he came out with this thing called Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, on which this film is not in any way based. And it's old cranky Batman who's basically built like a tank, and it's sort of post-apocalyptic kind of. No, no, it's not post-apocalyptic. I got to disagree. It's just that society is decaying. It's much scarier than a post-apocalyptic. There's nothing. There hasn't been a war or a zombie plague. It's just things just have kept getting worse and worse, which is unfortunately not entirely pre. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Batman but, is in his fifties, and he hasn't put on the mask in what twenty years? Something, yeah. And he comes back because things have gotten that much worse. That's that. Yeah, we, we don't want to describe the yeah. whole series. That's going to take but, forever. 
it was DC starting to go, you know, we need to compete. We want need to be realistic and dark and gritty. And I got to say, in comparison, Dark Knight Returns is nowhere near as dark and gritty as this movie is. But <laughs> it's what DC decided they needed to start doing to get their quote-unquote more mature audience. And they usually are really bad at it. Yeah. Um, and their idea of dark and gritty is literally like turning off one of the lights yep. and mentioning drugs or something. And... This, I, this one works. This, we also have to remember this was like one of the most successful superhero movies up to this point. This is 2008. I the Marvel Cinematic Universe hasn't started yet. No. We haven't even gotten Iron Man. No. Nope. This was a serious comic book movie. They, they they tried to do that with Batman Begins, just didn't do it quite as well. This was the start of a real trend. Well, Batman Begins, I think one of the issues is for one thing. We get to see Batman's origin again, yeah, although this time, time it involves Rachel Ghoul because reasons and stuff. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, Rachel Ghoul is, I'm going to say, probably the biggest, least known Batman because <laughs> your average person, they're going to know the Joker, they're going to go to the Riddler, Catwoman. After that, it gets a little, you know, maybe yeah. the Archer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. 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 Hey, or, or Connie. Who was the, P- who was Liberace playing? He played, uh, it was just a name. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Oh, whatever. There was Louis the Lilac <laughs> played by... Um, this is all uh, from the Milton TV Burrow. show, by the way. The 1966 TV show, so yeah. it doesn't but count. Rachel Ghoul is... An, actually, yeah. it's also a villain's name that nobody knew how to pronounce. Yeah, because it's spelled Raz Al Ghoul. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it's Raz, R-A-apostrophe-S. So it's like, oh, Ra, yeah. like the sun god. It's Raz Al Ghul. So yeah. this is Al Ghul who belongs to Ra. But whatever. <laughs> no, apparently it's Rach. But yeah. And, and again, so they bring in Qui Gon Jin. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I mean, it was an interesting casting choice to have Liam Neeson as the Arabic character Rachel Ghoul. Well, uh, especially at some, I kept thinking, at some point expect them to start doing a gruff off. Yeah, I'm Batman. Yes, and you're my you're the, you're the I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen to you. Let my family go. And, <laughs> yeah, that's like yes, you're you may be Batman, but I have a very specific set of skills. <laughs> And I'm Irish, and you're not. <laughs> um, and I, it was big, and there was Tibet, yeah. and then I actually, honestly, thought that that uh, Gotham City in the first film looked a little too Tim Burton like, because it had that weird uh, elevated train that was way higher and way spindlier than mm-hmm. any elevated train would be. I mean, yeah. we're missing the giant statues, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And this one, it's just like yeah, and at Chicago. Um, they actually don't really look anything alike from the first film to the second film. No, visually um, they're very different. And I think what is interesting is that after the success of these three films, because even if the third film wasn't, I don't think it was very good, I think it was still relatively successful. Yeah, yeah it was fairly um, successful, but no. I think both Chris Nolan and Christian Bale were like, yeah, we're done. I, I, we've done this. And it honestly it was a good story arc. We didn't necessarily need more Batman, except there's no way we're not going to get more Batman. So they're like, well, we can like gritty down our other heroes. heroes. And they started doing weird things to Superman. Um, like that one with Kevin Costner as his dad. I mean, that was just... I mean, I did a whole thing on that. Yeah, it was just yeah. like, wow, Superman's dad's a dick. <laughs> like, no, save the dog, but not me. Huh? Okay. Should, you know, should I have let a whole busload of children die? Maybe. What? Yeah. To, to keep your secret identity? Yes. Dad. Jeez. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Um, but this film is like is about as dark as it's going to get. And I actually had to ask myself, is this a superhero movie or a horror film? Because at times you're not sure. And it's all Heath Ledger. Because the scariest, creepiest, like, oh my God, like, I think I'm going to have nightmare parts are all Heath Ledger. Um, but I, and, although there is one, there's also a couple little throwaways things. Did you catch the Rosa Kleb moment? <laughs> oh, with the, the knife in his shoe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peanuts, Mr. Bond. <laughs> I mean, I caught that and it made me laugh because okay, Rosa Klebb was this this villain and and uh, we talked it, about her yeah. back in uh, From Russia with Love. She, she yeah, had, she had a knife in her shoe, and of course they make fun of this in the Austin Powers film. Yep. Who throws his shoe? Well, no, that was uh, making fun of Odd Job throwing his hat. But the shoe part was from yeah. 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 Anyway, um, I thought that was was funny. It didn't work there. It didn't work for Rosa either. But the humor, even when it's there, is still pretty damn dark. And yeah. there's a couple of things that I... All the I, other throwaway lines, Batman at one point says, I'm not wearing hockey pants. That's <laughs> going to be the quote of the film. Yeah. Um, or he, I, or when uh, Heath Ledger, when the Joker's blowing up the hospital, and mm. he's doing that, but he's dressed as a nurse, he's in drag, <laughs> and yet there's nothing funny about it. There's nothing... It's just, again, somehow he makes that menacing. And when he's doing that weird walk out of the hospital, waddling yeah. back and forth. By the way, when he stops and he hits the detonator and nothing happens, that was actually a mistake in the filming. Oh. The de the uh, fake explosion didn't go off. And Ledger just went with it and starts, like, whacking the detonator <laughs> and it, until it went off. And Nolan said, we got to keep that. Yeah, well, it couldn't again, reshoot it. It's so strange, just that waddling side-to-side -side walk that we don't see anywhere else. Um, I got to say that the uh, Gotham City Central Hospital, least convincing hospital I've ever seen. Yeah, that <laughs> It's was... like, we're not a hospital. We like to think of it as an office building because <laughs> just not, yeah. Uh, yeah, not very um, I got to say also on the, on the negative side, I had to write a note. And this is a thing occasionally. They do this a lot in Star Trek Discovery for reasons I don't understand. Stop moving the goddamn camera. Do not orbit the actors. You're making me dizzy. Stop it. Stop it. I don't understand the whole point of this. Did you have any I Call No Way moments? I get those and sometimes in the superhero movies or in, in any of the action movies. I mean, a good deal of the chasing scenes. There's, like, there's stuff that happens to cars and... You know, uh, also the big why is there a parade with the entire police force walking down Main Street? It's like, uh, uh, don't commit any crimes right now. We're we're having a funeral, so you could thank you. No, my thing both involve falling. Okay, when, when the Joker tosses Rachel off the uh, building, yeah, oh, and, and Batman grabs onto her, and they plummet about fifteen stories, but he's got his cape out, sort of. And they land on a friggin' car, and they're, you okay? Yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't buy that. No. Either. And also, when the Joker falls off the building at the end, and Batman catches him with the rope, all I'm thinking of, yep, it's Gwen Stacy. He just broke his neck. Yeah. Right. Which, which you know, they did both in the comic and the movie. Yeah. Although, so. again, I like, I like that scene when he hauls the Joker back up, and they're shooting him, so even though the Joker is hanging upside down, they shoot him right side up. Yeah. Which is like, of course, the world, it doesn't matter. His world is always upside down or always right side up for him. He does. He's completely oriented differently. And it's kind of this unintentional, iron, sad, iron, ironic moment where, he's, where the Joker says to him, I think you and I will be doing this forever. 
Yeah. Like he didn't even get to do it for one more movie. Yeah. How about in the middle of the film where Batman becomes a super spy in Hong Kong? <laughs> that was odd. That's the first time, and I think one of the only times we see Batman as Batman, and we see Bruce Wayne do this a few times, in another country, or in fact, yeah. outside of Gotham. Yeah. And that was just odd. That there was kind of a, it was jarring. Yeah. But it still I, worked, but it was very James Bond. I mean, I just kept waiting for dun 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 oh, da, 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 I thought when the plane grabbed it, we were going to hear Well, we're getting towards that point. I want to bring up those questions that we ask. And the first one is, does this sequel feel like a natural continuation of the original movie's story? And I know you wanted to bring this up as a point with our sequel, so uh, yeah. why don't you go ahead and do that if you would? Okay, it brings up an interesting question to me in terms comic book movies, are they are sequ- are their sequels the same as, say, other sequels? You know, most of them we see are action movies, but there are others. You know, hell, you got Bridget Jones' Diary has a sequel. You have romantic comedies that have sequels. You have comedies that have sequels. Comic book movies, the sequel often feels a little different. It's like another issue, which is what it's supposed to feel like. In that way, it does feel very organic. The story is a continuation. They talk about Batman's been here for this long. It continues the relationship with Rachel, as opposed to the other Batman movies, you know, the Tim Burton, etc., where there was a different woman in it every time. <laughs> yeah, Vicky but, Vale and not uh, Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. Not Vicky Vale. Chase and, uh, Meridian and. <laughs> Okay. Chase Meridian. I think that's my new name. Chase Meridian. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, a howitzer explosion guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this just sounds cool. But uh, I, think it, I think it is. I think sequels to superhero movies have a different feel to them than they do to a lot of the other action movies or to any of the other movies. Because comic books are meant to be sequential. They're meant to have additional chapters. And fo- you, you expect... The character to continue. You expect the storyline to continue. Right, but we don't end with a sequel grab going, no. uh-oh, there's somebody hanging over a pit of tigers. Yeah, but Will we, we don't see what need it. We, it's yeah. not necessary in, in a superhero movie. Yeah. Um, I what did you agree. think? Well, I, as I said, I watched the other film. I had to fast-forward through it a little bit just because, uh, quite honestly, there's some really slow parts. There are. The one thing I'll say does not feel natural again Gotham City looks like a totally different place. Uh, that whole the Narrows, just like you see, they they make basically the first film. They're trying to pretend it's not Chicago, and this film are like, yeah, there's Bob Newhart, so it's Chicago. Um, they show you the river. They show you, it, they show you Chicago, and there's like, so where's this Narrows? Because I don't see any island. So the whole like center point of the second half of the first Batman film is physically not here. Um, I, again, that hospital looks terrible. I mean, it really just looks like a, an office building on the lot. Okay. Um, but other than the look. But uh, again, like Max is saying, this feels more like another chapter in the continuing adventures of Batman. So in a way, it's a sequel. In a way, it isn't. Um, it's not directly following. And that's good because I quite honestly, I don't. I would hate to have seen them. It's hopeless enough between the first <laughs> two films that it would. you'd like to think that they've made some leeway towards crime which apparently they have and if we're i love that scene where it's like 547 counts of corruption 627 <laughs> counts of you know yeah. all this stuff and like who is gonna try all this and <laughs> sadly because they killed the judge nobody um so i think it does and i think you're right that especially with the marvel films it's like each one is a chapter in a greater whole it doesn't need to follow the next day or mm-hmm. the next week 
Um, the other question yeah. is, does this, and I think I know where this is going, yeah. does this sequel surpass the original and does it need to? Uh, I think we've already answered that. Yes, this is a much better movie, largely because of Heath Ledger. Yeah. But, but also because I don't think there are any bad performances in here. No. And there were in the first movie. I'm sorry, sorry, Katie Holmes. You just, you know, just forgettable. Mm. And uh, I think there were a couple of others. Uh, some of the you other. You're forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, uh, whoever the heck the crime boss, Fal uh, Falcone, who the actor is decent, but the performance was just like. In, in fact, the actor's terrific. I think that was. Uh, oh, I can never remember his name. He's this classic English actor. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah you know who I mean? He's that guy <laughs> no. in that thing that time. Uh, <laughs> But uh, they made him uninteresting. I mean, honestly, uh, Sal, uh, Eric Roberts' character, was more interesting in mm. this in this than uh, the, the one in there. So, yeah, the first one it did, had some less than stellar performances. It tried to cram too much in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this one is, is vastly superior, and I think it needed to be. I think if you were if it was going to continue the Batman franchise, it had to be better because the first one was okay. It you needed it had to knock it out of the park, and I think it did. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm sure that they're going to relaunch it again, and we're going to have to see his origin story again. <laughs> Although I did think it was interesting that uh, in that first film, he actually they were seeing an opera as opposed to the Legend mm -hmm. of Zorro, which was the original thing that they went to see. Although I got to say. Uh, they put the opera house in like the worst section. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The op opera opera district went way down in in uh, Gotham City. Yeah, uh, and I agree on both of your points. I do think it's a better film, although I do have some reservations. Uh, and I think that it it wanted. I think Nolan. DC, whomever decided this, was like, we need to take this stuff seriously. It's going to be a big deal. Our properties are languishing. They're not doing anything. We need to make this a thing. And I think what the thing, one of the things that they decided to do, besides making it ridiculously dark and gritty, is they said, this can't be superheroes the way we're used to superheroes. It has to be, like, for one thing, Batman's just a guy. He's a rich guy. Okay? And yes, he's got... Uh, uh, Butler, he's got Alfred, he's got Lucius Fox, which is a new character to this franchise and a very welcome one. Um, but he's just out there fighting the best way he knows how with his fists. And the best part is in the best Superman and Batman stories is Batman can still take on Superman. He finds ways. Yep. Chris it's because he's smart. That His superpower well, is he's wicked smart. Not here. Not so much here, but... We don't see it as much in this, but because that that's less interesting to watch. Is, hmm, let me sit here and analyze data. Well, but yeah, the problem is that when you do this and you say, "Well, here's this first film, which is generally well received, and people like the take on Batman. It's new, it's different, it's exciting. Well, let's take it up a notch." Is that you're also saying when we make another one, we have to do that again? Yeah, and yeah. So, yes, I would say yes to both of those things. In this case, I think they if they wanted to continue in this vein and they wanted to be taken seriously as opposed to <laughs> they had to turn it up a notch. Uh, I've gone through most of my notes, and, of course, we are getting to that, that secret part of the <laughs> Oh, yeah. But a uh, couple, of, couple of the things I wanted to bring up. One, I just I always loved... Uh, the Joker, the way when he says to him, when Batman's saying, "Well, then why are you trying to kill me?" and he just looks at him in horror and goes, "I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you?" That's like wow. 
I thought that was great. It really did spell out the whole idea of how they're the same side, the two sides of the same coin, in effect. They mm -hmm. balance each other. And uh, I thought it also brings up a really interesting aspect of the Batman character, which has been addressed here and there. The line that Batman won't cross. And there are... He comes up in the comic book. It comes up all over the place. He won't kill anymore. <laughs> so he won't. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, that goes back to like the late thirties, early forties. Yeah, yeah. I think actually somewhere in the middle, the mid forties, like the guns yeah. went away fairly quickly. They but. weren't. They didn't last. But yeah, it's a whole thing. Is Batman doesn't kill, and you and it raises the question. Yeah, but if you had let the Joker fall. Which, by the way, he did to Ra's al Ghul. He le he said, "I I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you." Right. How many p lives would he save doing that? Because, as someone pointed out, every after the first time you caught him, every person the Joker killed, that was your fault. Mm. You're responsible. Sure. And I think that, and I think this movie plays with that. It doesn't really go into it that much. It ties it way too much. In with the idea of, you know, well, I'm a good man, I'm, I'm truly good, so, you know, that's not what I do. Except but I do we, throw dogs. We, I, do, I do toss dogs, and I won't kill. I will permanently disable people, I will maim them, I will shatter bones, but I don't kill. Yeah, I, you drop me, I won't die from this height. I'm counting on it. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, he throws, he throws Eric Roberts off a building and breaks both his legs. Yeah, it's like what if he what if he twisted and you hit his head? You could have easily killed him. But anyway, I, I like that they address that and that they say maybe that's maybe that's not necessarily a benefit. Maybe it's a flaw, or maybe it isn't. I like that they leave it to us. I was also a little sorry. We get Anthony Michael Hall in this as a, a muckraking journalist. Originally, he was going to be Jack Ryder, who really hardcore DC nerds know as the Creeper. Oh, who was, in really? fact, a muckraking journalist who also became a slightly crazy superhero. I was sorry they didn't keep that as a background. I'm really glad they didn't try to bring him in as another character, as another superhero. Mm. But that's pretty much all I've got. I mean, I was hoping for Clock King, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, if you're not going to give me Calendar Man, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> calendar Man, Calendar, calendar man, man does whatever a calendar can. <laughs> anyway, uh, shall we get to that point? Let us. Roundup. So, Max. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry that you didn't like this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, Max hated this film. He I thought did. the performances it's... sucked and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, Max, yeah. you know, go give us your, your wrap-up. Uh, I do like this. I think this is remains one of my favorite superhero movies. I It remains one of my favorite DC superhero movies by a long stretch. That's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's appropriate because it's part of the trinity of DC that they've done it they've done well you know because they've done Batman well and they've done Wonder Woman well anyway <laughs> hey I, at the time hey, in the, I really the enjoyed 70, the Superman film the seven a Christopher Reeves Superman were terrific I I thought the first two were a lot of were really well done and for their time looked wonderful and I like them too but if we're talking contemporary DCU stuff yeah Although technically this isn't part of the DCU, it didn't exist no. yet. Well, and also it's not played by Ben Affleck. Cause... Yes, or or now Robert Pattinson. 
Because that's going to be great. Hey, I'll give him a chance. Apparently he was great in The Lighthouse. Apparently the guy actually can act. It's just going to be hard to see, you know. I'm going to keep expecting Batman to suddenly pull out a piece of wood and yell, Expecto Patronum! <laughs> or he'll oh, start he sparkling. Act, he just chooses not to. Or he'll start sparkling. But anyway. Um, what about you? I like two-thirds of this film. I honestly think that I would rather that Two-Face was not in it. See that? I think that Two-Face doesn't really add anything, although the loss of Harvey Dent does. I can and see what you, mean, that, you would be glad to have Harvey Dent in it, but not Two-Face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd almost rather that Harvey Dent died, because now we've got this supervillain, which quite honestly, I you know... Here's one of your I don't believe this moments. The amount of infection that you would have got with having that big and opened burn oh. wound oh, within you know within moments. You like and it's oh it's right next to your brain, no problem. And your eyeball is just ha- no, no. And I get it because this is they're trying to make it as, you know, they're trying to say, yeah, we read the comics, so we'll actually do something like the comics. Um I just the Harvey the 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 two-faced part doesn't work for me. Um, I don't, I don't think it adds anything, but Harvey Dent does. So it's a, it's a weird dichotomy there. Interesting. I'd like to have had Harvey Dent and honestly never had Two-Face. Um, the performances are terrific. It is so dark though. I mean, I remember it being dark, but I didn't know it was dark. (laughs) (laughs) It's violent as hell. They really are finally saying, yeah, we know this was originally meant for kids. We don't care if they ever see this. Yeah. In fact, you probably shouldn't bring your kids to this. This, this is this is definitely not a kid's movie. In fact, the kids that are in this, we had to blindfold when they weren't shooting. I was scenes. always a little surprised this was a PG-13 movie. Well, and that's we could talk about how violence and sex are those you know two right. things and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, you've if you're a superhero fan, you've probably seen this. Um, in some ways, it is probably the depiction of Batman in movies that is the one. Um, For the people who love the character of Batman and want the darkest, grittiest, most realistic, this is as close as you're ever going to get, I hope. (laughs) Because if it can get darker than this, I don't want to see it. Oh, yeah, we're going to... I'm sure there'll be one where Batman's got a needle sticking out of his arm and... You know, it turns out that Bruce Wayne did amateur porn. I don't know. I mean, they never get to the points where we see... Tony Stark is an alcoholic, but we get dang close. Yeah, um, He has other issues which work just as well. Um, but I would also say there's one thing that I thought was missing from this that is like generally not missing for from superhero movies. Where's the fun? It is not a fun movie. <laughs> it's <laughs> no. really not. Uh, I'm not saying it... It's supposed to be escapism, right? So yeah. Superheroes are supposed to be escapism. And this is not escapism, really. Um, I don't want to be anybody in this film. I, well, no. I want to be... So in the very, very beginning of the film, there's a guy in the airport who's leaving Gotham <laughs> City. I want to be that guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, it, I definitely think it's worth watching. If for nothing else, the performances, Gary Oldman, Heath Ledger, everybody. Christian Bale. Everybody. Uh, Chris, whenever you've got... Uh, the, I always think his name is Malcolm. The guy who plays Lucius Fox's name Mon- is... Morgan Freeman. Thank you. Morgan Freeman is always good. Michael Caine, I again, even in terrible films, Jaws 2, uh, 3. Jaws 3, Jaws Four, 3. Jaws 4, Revenge. Whatever. It's Michael Caine. He's always fun in yep. some way. Um, yep, we said sure. that. Yeah. But, 
But we have some so, uh, business that you should. We do take have care some. Of. We have some business to wrap up. Uh, you enjoy, Thank you. <laughs> yes, if you enjoyed this, uh, this you can always check out our other, all of our other podcasts. We have on ba- oh, the whole back catalog at our website maxmikemovies.com. You can also find them on the podcast app of your choice, the uh, iTunes podcast app, Google, iHeartRadio. We're also on Spotify. You can find us on social media on Facebook or Twitter under Max Mike Movies. And you can, of course, always email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can send us your fiendish plans, your diabolical plots. Don't forget the stamp. Yeah, don't forget, <laughs> don't forget your E stamp. <laughs> But and uh, remember, we, were, we are looking for feedback about that. We do. We want to think about doing, doing this thing for uh, Clubhouse. Or if people ha- have a suggestion for a format that's reachable by more platforms, let us know. Yeah. But uh, now that we're done with this week, what's happening next week? Well, uh, I think we're going to continue in the dark, gritty, serious vein. Uh, are we? Uh, yes. <laughs> you, you don't believe me, I, do you? I think you're lying, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you calling Grandpa, Grandpa? <laughs> um, we are going to be looking into another sequel, uh, because that's what we're doing in this this particular... Yes. Uh, and you would think that we would use this one to wrap up the series, but oh, Lord. not quite. Because, yes, next week we are going to be looking at The Mummy 2. Or The Mummy Returns. Yep. All this in The Mummy 2. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.